0: What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give an Ovation. I am joined today by a restaurateur, author, consultant, and he has worked with the biggest names in culinary. And he's the kind of guy who, after he retires, writes a book, which is fantastic, called Fork Fight, and then opens up another burger shop, because who needs retirement? Um, we met at the Texas show, Texas Restaurant Association show, uh, where we were both speaking. Is that, is that right, Mark? Right. And uh, anyway, so in honor of our first meeting i am wearing a bucky's shirt uh but welcome to the podcast mark brzezinski how are you mark very good thanks i
1: appreciate you having me on
0: yeah i was i i loved the panel that you did along with uh one of my investors over there at branded and um so impressed went up to you chatted with you afterwards and and you've been gracious enough to come on the podcast i'm grateful about that uh but first let's talk a little bit about fork fight uh for those who haven't read it what what is fork fight
1: Fork fight is a compilation of my experiences as an entrepreneur in the restaurant business and the arc of the journeys of being a uh, entrepreneur both with companies the biggest two, of, well, actually three of the biggest companies in the restaurant business, Yum Brands, uh, Brinker International, and P.F. Chang's China Bistro. Uh, I've, I've had a chance to work with all three of them in various capacities, but mostly what people want me to do is help them create things. You know, I'm more of a, a creative tinker entrepreneur. I don't, I don't think inside the box a lot. I'm more of an outside the box thinker, which can lead to trouble. And the book details the trouble that it has led to in my life uh the the ups and downs the roller coaster ride that is being an entrepreneur and and having a kind of an unsettled nature about always wanting to do something new and something that's next um i've I've just written about it during covid uh, I traveled incessantly in the restaurant business. you know all of us that travel a lot are executive platin or concierge level and you know, we're, we're bon boy, you know, thousands Uh of points. But during COVID I wasn't traveling, you know, we were all kind of grounded. And during that time I was able to sit down. I'm not much of a TV watcher. So I was able to write, write stories. I've always been a writer. I've always wanted to write more stories, but never had the time. COVID gave me the chance to really sit down and write this book and I put it together and it seemed like less than a year. And, we put it out there with an agent and an agent got some people in, involved. And before we know it, we had Simon and Schuster uh, committing to doing a hardcover book with photographs. My first book, which everybody told me was going to be impossible, yeah, uh, but it happened. And Fork Fight came out uh, back in April and I'm just thrilled that it's out there. And I'm thrilled to be able to share my stories. And by the way, all the good, bad and the ugly. I mean, I, I reveal quite a bit about, some of the the problems that it has caused me in my lifetime. And uh, just wanted it to be an honest, open book about my journeys through the business.
0: And it has been described up there with, you know, uh, Anthony Bourdain. I mean, like there, there's been some, some extremely high praise for this book. And I'd love to maybe dive into a story right now with you about what is a time that some of your out of the box thinking got you in trouble? Or maybe not got you in trouble, but caused some caused some trouble.
1: You you started it in your intro. I I decided I was kind of winding down, but I came up with this burger idea. Uh, I felt like nobody had really gone after better fast food, and I felt like it was time to do better fast food. So I created this concept called Busy Busy Burger here in Dallas, and it it was smaller burgers. Uh, I I wanted always. I grew up on White Castle hamburgers. back in new jersey right and so that was really my first fast food craving and i've always thought somebody could do a better job of that type of style of burger right I, i don't like to call them sliders to me sliders has a negative connotation a lot of people don't know this but the term slider came from small burgers that were so greasy you didn't even have to eat them eat them they would just slide down your throat
0: oh really
1: that's the that's, that's way sliders came up. And it and it, if you look at the Harold and Kumar movies about they go to White Castle or whatever, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. referenced in there that when you're either so inebriated or so high that you really don't want to chew your food, you just want to have food in your gut, you go and you get small hamburgers and they just kind of slide down your throat. So long story short, I decided I need to create a better slider with better and more culinary driven toppings. And it just didn't work, Zach. I mean, uh, location-wise, timing-wise, I-, I don't know. You never know. There's never just one thing. But it got great reviews. We were on Google. Uh, Google, I think we had 170 out of 183 reviews were five-star. Oh, wow. People loved it. Even Yelp was four and a half. Um, we were only six months old. Just couldn't get the revenue. So there was an idea that I thought I did my homework. I certainly attached it to a passion thing, you know, that I had. It wasn't just something I picked out of the sky. Uh, I gathered the money for it, opened it up, introduced it, and was ready to have it become the, the benchmark for a growth vehicle. It just didn't work. And I look back and say, you can make mistakes. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how much you think you know, how much research you've done. Our business is very brutally honest to you. Um, you know, you, you either can draw the number of people that you think you can draw or you can't, and sometimes there's no, there's no magic to it. It either works or it doesn't work. So, um, that's a story that's very, very front of mind because it happened just recently in the last couple months. So
0: isn't that so interesting though, where with, with all this experience, it's still, it still is a tough business and i think that one of the things where i believe it was it's attributed to steve jobs i actually haven't heard him in any video say this but he says success is a lousy teacher because it makes you think you know what you're doing and and the fact is that that's the, that's one of the the wonderful things and the scary things about restaurants is that everything is changing so much i just finished um unreasonable hospitality and in that book you know will talks about how it's so, you know, he, he was always pushing the envelope and always trying new things. And then all of a sudden, after a few years, the new thing became the old thing so quickly that if he wasn't reinventing and pushing that envelope every single year, you know, he would fall behind. You, there, there's no stasis in the restaurants.
1: It gets relentless and it's, and it's hard to pin the tail on the donkey sometimes, you know, as to what the reasons are. Sometimes you and I look at concepts that we don't think are very good and they're grown like a weed, right? Yeah. And, and then you see, you go to a concept and say, boy, this should be all over the place. And for some reason, it doesn't work. Uh, I, there's no promises, right? Nobody, nobody sits there and says, okay, if you do this, it's going to work. Everything's going to be fine. Big companies have failed. Small companies, individuals have failed. People who have, you know, you become feeling like, like Will said, a little bulletproof, right? Like I can't do any wrong. And so you you step out there, and every once in a while, your head gets chopped off. If you step yeah. out in the tropical, event. it's just the nature of the beast. And I, I, what's it? Henry Ford said, "Failure is only the opportunity to begin again more successfully." I mean, you you learn from failure. We don't. It's a really easy cliche to say, right? Everybody knows it, right? But but you have to live it. You have to kind of get out there and put yourself in the middle of it to learn what that means. And my book, Fork Fight, going back to it, it follows the ones that really worked and all the wonderful things that came from that. And then what happens after the crash when you decide you're gonna do it again, and it doesn't work. And then you try it again and it does work. I mean, the, the, the middle of the book, I talk about being part of the original creative team of Payway Asian Diner and Mm -hmm. for seven years i rode that wave and it was a wonderful wave i mean you know blue skies warm water big waves you know you'd feel like you're in paradise and then after that i tried a concept that didn't work and it took me right to the bottom of the barrel to bankruptcy and then i came out of that and i hooked up with the guys from front burner and did velvet taco velvet taco as you know now has become like synonymous with hot concept right and we rode that wave. And that was back to the blue skies and the big waves and the, you know, the warm water. It, it, it just, you just know that it's going to go that way. And somehow you get up and do the next day, right?
0: So what, what's what been a brand? We talked about, you know, Busy Burger and things like that. What's, what's been a brand that you're most proud of working with?
1: Well, I get asked this a lot. And, it, and it's an easy answer for me because I did an Indian restaurant right after I left. Hayway Asian Diner. I felt as though there was a market for Indian food. That Indian food was going to be the next PF Changs, right? Mm-hmm. Exciting, vibrant, a little bit mysterious, exotic, wonderful flavors, colorful. And I created a concept called Bengal Coast. And that was really a pure. That was me. That wasn't a bunch of partners getting together in a room. That was that was me coming up with a vision, traveling. I went to India. I went to Thailand. I did a lot of research on food. I found myself two wonderful Indian chefs. But unfortunately, we opened that right at the beginning of the financial crisis of 2008. Uh-huh. So I took all that money I earned at Payway and rolled it into the, you know, it's like, it's like you're in Vegas, they put it all on black, right? <laughs> you, know, you take all your winnings and they'll come to double my winnings. My vision was, okay, now I'm going to own a bigger piece of the next PF change. And it just didn't work. I, but I was so proud of it. uh It got great reviews. It just was at a time people weren't going out to eat. Two thousand eight, nine, and ten. If you look at the history of the restaurant business, even PF Chang's the and Cheesecake Factory were experiencing negative comp sales. I mean, the the industry was spiraling because people weren't going out and spending money. They were they were tightening their belts, and we get. We get the effects of that. Fast food doesn't get affected because the prices are very, you know, reasonable. Just like COVID, right? If you look at the arcs of COVID, full service and fast casual got dinged. Fast food did pretty darn good because of the drive-through, because the accessibility and pricing. So at that time, Bengal Coast just wasn't going to be received well because of the economics and maybe some other factors. Maybe people weren't ready for Indian food. But um, I was really proud of that. If you went back and we able to research some of the stuff. The food was fantastic. The reviews are great. We just, just couldn't, just couldn't get the people in the door that we
0: need. You know, it's like when you meet the perfect, the perfect girl and it's just, she just got out of an engagement and you're like, oh, timing. If only timing were different, but looking back at it now, I'm uh, very glad that timing wasn't different. Today's actually my eight month engage or eight year engagement. anniversary. And so, you know, we got engaged eight years ago and really happy nothing else worked out. But I think that's part of the thing, right, is that you don't know what's going to happen and what's not. And you've been through the roller coaster of ups and downs with restaurants and finances and, um, you know, the economy. What do you think as you follow along? Because the the common thread of all of this, obviously, is the is a great guest experience. And so as you have followed this trend of the guest experience what do you think is the most important aspect of guest experience nowadays
1: well that's a good question i made some notes on this exactly because i didn't want to just talk off the top of my head right um i think what we information has become kind of an addiction to us right i mean it used to be we didn't have all these sources of information and gathering information but to me Understanding the guest experience takes a little bit more old school, be there and envelop yourself in the experience yourself, right? I think the hardest thing to do is anticipate how somebody else is going to react to what you think they should react to. And to me, you've got to almost categorize it in three categories. I think when you're a new brand, and you're just starting to establish yourself or you're an existing brand that's wanting to grow or you're an established brand that just is kind of growing at a smaller pace. I think as a new brand, the guest experience is something you have to be in the middle of. You have to do it yourself. I, at Busy, I was there every day. You have to, you can't rely on the reviews. You've got to experience it yourself. you got to see it and hear it, taste it in three dimension. Recently, I taught a class over at the Dallas College of Hospitality. And our class redefined the word hospitality, right? It used to be, you know, service, right? What is hospitality? It's good service. Well, to me, here's the definition. I'm going to read it to you, right? Hospitality is our ability to anticipate all aspects of the guest experience, regardless of how they choose to use us. Hospitality is doing our best to maximize all senses in that experience. And all senses mean Taste, touch, feel, sound, you know, all, all of those senses Sight. Now and it's
0: gotta cold. be clean, right?
1: All of it's that's part of hospitality now. That's the guest experience. It used to be just interaction, right, Zach? It used to be okay, who talked to me? How is my server? You know, how good was how good was that? But now experience is the entire thing. We look at guest experience now as enveloping the walk-up right the, the the loudness of the music the light levels the availability of tables and cleanliness of the restaurant how how friendly it seems when you're finally greeted so to me um the guest experience has has kind of morphed into this broader wider ranging thing that we have to understand you can read reviews you know after the fact right that says hey you know the, the front door was locked you know they were supposed to be open or w- whatever people want to say but as operators as restaurateurs we have to anticipate that entire experience more than ever if you ask me because there's more competition there's more selection there's more opportunity for you to find that thing to eat or that 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 place to go and if we're not anticipating that ahead of time if we're just solely focused on the food or our training is solely focused on human interaction and it doesn't involve a broader definition of it, then I think we get, we're we're missing opportunities. And I don't know if that sounds nebulous or or if it sounds a little bit out there, but to me, the guest experience starts as soon as somebody locks their car and starts walking to your business. And And I, I try to teach that.
0: And I think, I, I love that, Mark, and, and I would even argue, it might even start before that, right? Because yeah. I, I think how you look online, how easy is it to order from you? If I get delivery, is there a way that I can communicate that something went wrong? And I think that at the heart of it, in 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 because uh, I, I love that definition, and if I would like to distill that down to what I'm hearing, is like, hospitality is proving to the guest that we care about them. And, and there's a lot of ways that we can do that. But for example, I was in a restaurant recently and the, I mean, we're talking gold flakes on the steak. Like this is a, this was a really high end restaurant. And the lady at the table next to me was getting very frustrated and she asked her server for salt and then she asked somebody else for salt. And then she got up and she went to the, the host stand and then the host went to the back and told the server, then came back out. And then a few minutes later, the server came out and brought her salt. All of the effort of the ambiance, the music, the care of the everything else totally didn't matter because the server took too long to get her salt and her food was cold by the time that she got her salt, right? And so the thing is that you need a thousand messages to tell that guest that to prove to the guest that we care about them. And, but I love how I I worked at an ad agency in New York and one of their, one of the mantras they had up on the wall was everything communicates. And I remember we worked with Dunkin' Donuts and one of the big things that we did with them is they wanted to, you know, increase sales. And so what did we do? We rewrote the training manual and they were like, well, no, 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 we're, we're talking about marketing. And we're like, yeah, I know, but your, your marketing is your frontline workers and, people are having bad experiences and we need to retrain them and make sure that things like the bathrooms are clean. Right. Because at that time, Duncan was not synonymous with coffee. Duncan was synonymous with dirty bathrooms when you'd interview people. And, and so that, that was a big thing. I I love that. I think that that's so that's so smart to expand the concept of hospitality just beyond a table touch, which it oftentimes got distilled down to, right. (laughs)
1: You made a good, I mean, if you think about our industry, everybody takes things like website email for granted, right? Well, the first websites really didn't come out until right around 2000, right? I mean, I worked at Brinker, and I remember in 1993, when email was introduced, it was like, what do we do now? When we get into the office, we log on and do what? You know, we're trying to figure out how people were communicating with us. So now, even the website, I don't know about you, but I rarely go to a restaurant. Where I don't first look at their website, most of the time when I walk in a restaurant, I don't even know what I want to eat because yeah. I've looked at the menu and I've and I've you know read the reviews about what other people had and and all of a sudden now I don't really I'm, I'll take the menu, but I'm ready to order almost as soon as I sit down. Right? I'm not sure that's everybody, but it's a good percentage of people nowadays. That that really the whole the whole experience has kind of changed a little bit
0: yeah i think that's so great and and i know we're running out of time here but i'd love to get this last question in any successful tactics uh, or strategies that you've seen to improve the guest experience
1: well you know zach this may not sound best for your podcast and i apologize but i'm very old school right to me there's nothing that replaces personal interaction and personal touch and and again i i segment into different parts of the industry if you're a new business The whole team has to be involved in that. If you're an existing business trying to grow, you have to hire enough good people that have been trained and have that culture. If you're an existing company with a multiple brand, you just got to make sure that you're reinforcing that culture. So to me, um, it's establishing a culture, it's teaching a culture, and it's practicing a culture. And and that starts very, very organically at the beginning when the group is assembled and say, who do we want to be? How do we want to be it? And how do we bring more people in and that and teach it? That's, old, that. school. That's no, old school. That's old school where it starts.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm speaking of speaking of books and hospitality. I've got right behind me uh, setting the table. And in there, he talks about I, how hospitality is a dialogue. You know, like at the end of the day, it really does. Uh, the, the, the most important ingredient in hospitality is that personal touch. And uh, everyone needs to be bought into that. So uh, who's someone that we should be, who's someone that deserves innovation? Who's someone we should be following in the restaurant industry, Mark? I feel like, you know, everyone.
1: <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost unfair of me to name anybody in particular, you know, because I think other people might feel like they were left out. But, but I think the the group here in Dallas that, that I'm, I'm very proud to have worked with and, and, and think that they've done well is, is the Front Burner Society group, you know, Jack Gibbons and Randy DeWitt and what they've done. John Frankie was their, was their chef for so long before he broke off and did consulting. But, you know, Mexican sugar, whiskey cake, 60 Vines, you know, Haywire, the ranch at Las Colinas, with all the taco, son of a butcher. I mean, they really, right now, they, they, they've they hit the nail on the head. They, they really do a great job.
0: Awesome. And then how do people find and follow you, Mark?
1: Well, I've got a website, mbrzezinski.com. Um, I do consulting on that. My book is available on there. Uh, a, a couple chapters that are teased on there. But mbrzezinski.com is the best way to to find me, reach out to me and, and kind of figure out who I am, which I'm const- constantly trying to do too, by the way.
0: <laughs> I love that. Well, Mark, for knowing just the right spice to make this podcast delicious, today's ovation goes to you. Thank you so much for joining us and giving an ovation, Mark.
1: Thank you very much. Please take
0: the time. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to ovationup.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.